Well, we're uh, about a week into this new year, into 2024, and I don't know about you, uh, but I can already use some good news. Uh, Just think of the headlines from this first week in the new year. Uh, One, we've had earthquakes around the world, some pretty big earthquakes around the world already. Uh, We've seen a headline of already a school shooting in 2024. On the very first day that they came back to school, there was a school shooting. We're in an election year. And so already, it's all, just this week, it's already ramped up where there's so much divisiveness in the media already. And to top it all off, we have to take the Christmas decorations down and put them away for 11 months until we get the joy of Christmas once again. Uh, we can use some good news. At least I can. And good news that, that is more than just a 15 to, to a minute segment on the news that warms your heart for about 15 minutes and then wears away. But good news that lasts. Good news that fills our hearts tomorrow. Good news that changes our hearts six months from now. Good news that when we gather here in January 2025, as we gather together and worship on, on that Sunday morning, it's still impacting us, still filling us with joy, has been the reason for our joy for the past year. And if that sounds like good news that you want, I've got good news for you. The book of Mark has that good news for you and for me, and that's what we're going to look at for the next 13 weeks. The book of Mark has the good news of our Savior, Jesus. And unlike the other books, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John, the other Gospels, Mark is a very fast-paced book. Uh, It's more on what Jesus does than what he teaches. It's about showing how he is the powerful Son of God, but this powerful Son of God is also the suffering servant. Mark is one of the earliest New Testament books written Uh, Some have it marked down uh, between 40 and 45 A.D. that Mark wrote his gospel. Uh, And he wrote to Romans. The Roman Empire was uh, the number one ruling power, owned probably the most territory in the known world at that time. And Mark wrote to Romans who worshipped Roman gods. Very similar to Greek mythology where the Roman gods. uh, And he's writing to them to show how Jesus is bigger, more glorious. He's the Son of God, and yet He's different. He's also the suffering servant come to save us from our sins. And so Mark starts his gospel, his good news, all about Jesus. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see how how Mark's gospel is good news that is different than any good news that this world has to give. Let's start. We're in Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. 
John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. Notice the very opening line that Mark has. The beginning of the good news. That word for good news in the Greek is oiangelion. It, it means gospel, good news. And it was in ancient times a word that was used for military victory. And so a messenger would come back from the battlefield, oiangelion, victory, we won, great news. And this is a word that Mark uses at the very beginning of his book. The beginning of the good news, the victory. The good news. And what's the good news all about? Mark doesn't say, good news. Here's a 10-step plan to make sure that 2024 is a good year. He doesn't say, good news. I have good news for you. If you follow this path, you will have success in your life. He doesn't say, good news. I, I have a plan for you to live a moral life. No, that's not the good news. The good news is not a program. It's not a plan. The good news is what? A person. Jesus. The Messiah. The Son of God. Your first point today. How is the good news different than anything else? The good news that Mark has for us is that the good news is not a program or a plan, but a person. And it's the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. In fact... Not only Mark is about this, all of Scripture is about the good news that God prepared and planned in advance to send His one and only Son into the world to save sinners. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan from all eternity to send Jesus the Messiah into the world. This is the good news that all of Scripture testifies to that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in Him, and in Him alone, is good news. Some of you are here today so glad to turn the page on 2023 because it was rough. Some of you experienced things in 2023 that you never want to experience again, and you're praying and hoping that there's good news for you in 2024. I don't know what your circumstances are going to be. I can't promise that, but I can promise that there is good news. Because the good news is found in Jesus. And Jesus will be with you as you go into 2024. He's here. He was born to be with you and to be with me. This is the good news that Mark has for us today. And so how do we prepare for it? How do we prepare for our Savior who's come into the world to be with us. The same way that God wanted his people of the first century to prepare. How did, that, how did that look? He sent John the Baptist. Mark brings together several passages from the Old Testament here uh, about a messenger coming to prepare the way for the Lord. And he ties the Old Testament and says, John the Baptist is, is the, the fulfillment of these Old Testament passages that was a messenger coming to prepare the way for the Lord. And what was John's message to prepare the people? 
he went preaching a message of repentance, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What was his message? Repent and confess your sins. Repent. Change your attitude about sin. Don't go into sin. Stop accepting sin. Stop being comfortable with sin. But turn from it and confess it all and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. That was John's message. And notice who came to him. The whole countryside and all of Jerusalem came out to John to hear this message because this message was for everyone. The rich and the poor. The nobility, the peasants, the religious, the irreligious, the church leaders, the ones who don't go to church, the military, the the soldiers, the criminals, everyone came out to John to hear this message of repent and confess your sins. What would John's message be to you and to me today? The same exact thing. If John was was standing right here in my place, his message to you and to me would be repent and confess your sins. You want to prepare for the good news of Jesus? Repent and confess your sins. It's your second point. To prepare for the good news, we repent and confess our sins. Now this doesn't exactly seem like good news, does it? Some of you are, are uh, in the dating world right now. Others of you who, who are married, you can remember back to when you were dating your spouse. Would you ever have done this? On your first or second date, the food comes, you're at, you're at a restaurant, food comes, and, and before you start eating, you say, you know what, I, I just got to get this off my chest. I can be a bit controlling. I'm not very empathetic and, and nor compassionate. I'm in quite a bit of debt. I have no control over my spending. Uh, I can be a bit clingy, a bit jealous. And if I'm honest, there's sometimes I go days without brushing my teeth because I just forget. If you come over to my apartment, it's dirty. It's not clean. I don't like to clean very much. But I hope you like me. None of us would do that. (laughs) That would be crazy, right? Uh, That would be an immediate way to get the person sitting across from you to just leave. Instead, we let them find out all of our crazy stuff, uh, crazy flaws on on their own. And hope by that time they love us enough to stick around. (laughs) Sometimes we approach God that way. We want God to be pleased with us. We want God, we want to give God a reason to love us. And a, a surefire way, we think, to get God to leave us is to confess all of our wrongs, all of our sins. And so instead, how do we think we should prepare for the good news? We convince ourselves of all different kinds of ways to get God to like us, to be pleased with us. Why are some of us so driven to be successful? Why are others of us, uh, why do others of us struggle with boundaries? We can't say no to anybody. Because we want to be known as a loving and kind person. Why do some of us have savior complexes? Why do others of us uh, fall into this victim mindset that the reason I can't be better and, and more uh, pleasing to you is because my circumstances around me don't allow it? 
I'm a victim. Why, why are others of us so focused on morals and religious rituals? They all come back to the same root. At the very heart of it, it's we want to give God a reason to like us, to be pleased with us. So that God looks at us and says, yes, you're someone I want to be around. You're someone I want to commit to. The only problem? Sin isn't a bad, isn't a bad habit. If, think about this. What do we find more disgusting? Our sin or not brushing our teeth for five days? I think initially we say, not brushing our teeth for five days. And yet to God, our sin is so disgusting. It is so offensive that he doesn't want to be around us. And we are in, and, and to be honest, we're doomed. Because there's no amount of morality, there's no amount of religious ritual, there's no amount of anything that we could do to make up for our sin. We stand before God doomed. We're hopeless and helpless. And so why do we prepare with repenting and confessing our sin? Because there's nothing left to do. We need to repent and confess and say, God, I'm hopeless and helpless. I need your help. Without you, I'm doomed. And this is what the people were doing. They were coming to, to John to say, I'm here to repent and confess because I'm doomed. I have no other way. And as John sees the people lined up, sinner after sinner after sinner, he sees someone that he would never expect to be there. Here's what we're told. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent, uh, sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. John sees sinner after sinner after sinner lined up to receive a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And who does he see lined up there? Jesus. The innocent Son of God lined up with sinners for a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Have you ever had one of those moments where, where you look around and you see someone that you did not expect to see in that moment, at that place. That's John and Jesus right now. John sees a line of sinners, and who's he see right in the middle? The innocent Son of God. What's he doing there? Jesus, you're innocent. You're perfect. You don't need to repent and confess your sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. You don't need to do that. Why are you there? The reason is because Jesus, the Son of God, came to take the place of sinners. Jesus, the innocent Son of God, did not come to this world to lord it over sinners and to tell us what to do. No, He came to take our place. 
He came to take responsibility for each and every one of our sins. The way the Apostle Paul in the New Testament puts it is God made Jesus, who had no sin, he was perfect, to be sin for us. Jesus came to take the place of sinners, so closely connected with you, so closely intertwined with you that he takes your place so that you could take his place. He stands in the line of sinners, with sinners, to be baptized with sinners because he came to be in the place of sinners and take responsibility for each and every one of our sins that God finds so offensive. Jesus was there saying, I'm taking credit for it all. I'm taking responsibility for all the sins of the world. Here I am in the place of sinners. And after he's baptized, something amazing happens. He, get, he comes up out of the water, and the heavens tear open, we hear. And the Holy Spirit comes and lands on him, like the form of a dove. And God speaks from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. You talk about a, a spiritually high moment. Have you ever had one of those moments where, where you just feel so closely connected with God? It's a spiritual moment where, where you just feel like you and God are so close. That had to be what Jesus was feeling. But the very next moment's the exact opposite. Here's what we're told. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. The very next moment, he gets sent out into the wilderness where he's tempted for 40 days by the devil. The devil, or Satan, is a very real being. And he has one goal. And that's to lead away from God and destroy people and things. And that's what he's trying to do to Jesus. If he destroys Jesus, if he gets Jesus to fall into sin, salvation is lost. If he gets Jesus to fall into sin, he's tore away from God. And he comes and he tempts him. But what does Jesus do? With every temptation, he fights it. Every temptation, he perfectly navigates through. Because here's the other aspect, the other good news of Jesus. Not only did he come to be in the place of sinners, he came to fight for sinners. He came to be in your place to fight the devil in your place, perfectly. Where we are imperfect, he was perfect. Where we fail, he succeeded. Where we sinned, he was holy. He never once gave in to Satan's temptation. He fought him perfectly. And Satan wouldn't leave him alone his whole life. He continued to fight Jesus, and Jesus continued to fight him until it culminated at the cross, where Jesus defeated him once for all. Where Jesus ultimately took on all of our sin was in line with sinners, died with sinners, for sinners, to defeat the devil on our behalf to save you and me. Your last point today. Jesus came in the place of sinners to fight for sinners and to save sinners. This is the good news that Mark launches into right in the opening book, right in the opening chapter. Jesus came in the place of sinners to fight for sinners like you and me. And do you know what this means? Do you know what Jesus accomplished through saving you? It means that the God the Father looks down at heaven at you and he says, this is my daughter whom I love. With you I'm well pleased.
God the Father looks down from heaven and He says, this is my Son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased because that's how closely united you are to Jesus. Jesus took your place to fight Satan for you that you can have His place. Have you made a mess of your life? Have you been completely immoral for a good majority of your life? Have you sinned in some big public way and everyone knows about it? Do you know basically nothing about Scripture? Because of Jesus, God the Father looks at you and says, you are my son, you are my daughter. With you I'm well pleased. Are you successful? Are you moral? Are you very religiously ritual, Are you into religious rituals and you're in church on every, uh, every Sunday morning? You're in Bible studies. Are you more moral than the majority of people? God looks down from heaven and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, with you I'm well pleased. But it's not because of any of those things. It's because of Jesus, the Messiah, who took your place, who took your sin, who fought Satan for you and did it perfectly to save you from your sins. It's because of him that God looks down at you and says, you are someone that I love and with you I'm well pleased. This is a good news of Jesus. The person of Jesus, the Messiah, is good news for you and for me because he took our place and fought for us and he saved us. And so if this is all based on Jesus, what's left for, there, uh, what's left for us to do? <laughs> Listen to Jesus' words. Verse 15. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What's left? Repent and believe the good news. Have a change of attitude. No longer continue in our sin. No longer be comfortable with our sin. No longer just accept our sin, but have a change of attitude. Turn and believe the good news that Jesus is here with us. He took our place. He fought for us. He saved us. And it's because of Him that God is well pleased with us. This is the good news that will completely change our life. This is our, the good news that we will continue to celebrate week after week. This is the good news that when we come back in January 2025, when we are here, we will still be celebrating and we will look back and say 2024 was a joyful year because of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the good news that has changed our life, not just for 15 minutes, warms our hearts for 15 minutes like a news segment, but completely changes our lives forever. Because this is the good news, that when we die and we stand at the gates of heaven, we will see God face to face. And it's because of Jesus that God will look at you with a smile and say, this is my daughter, this is my son, whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Come and enter my home. May this be our joy, this good news. May it be our joy today, tomorrow, and forever. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, there's good news in this world, and yet there's no better news than the news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into this world to take our place. He has taken responsibility for all of our sin. He fought Satan perfectly in our place. And it's because of him that our sins are forgiven and that you are pleased with us. We thank you that his life is our life, his death is our death, 
uh, so that we can stand before you holy and perfect in your sight through our Savior Jesus. Uh, Apart from him, there is no good news. And so we thank you that this good news has touched our hearts. We thank you that it's changed our lives now and forever. Uh, Continue to help us to grow in this message this year. Uh, This is the good news that will motivate us and, and get us through any time in our life, any circumstances that we're going through, to know that you, the God of this world, are pleased with us, not because of what we've done or haven't done, but because of our Savior Jesus. We thank you for that. Let us grow closer to him this new year. Uh, As we go into this new year, we ask that uh, you help us to spread this message to more and more people so that they may be touched with this good news and that their lives are changed now and forever Uh, because it's because of Jesus uh, that all of this world's sins have been forgiven. And we want more and more people to know that. We ask you to be with us this new year. Bless it and let it be all for your glory. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.